Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based off the role of 20 Sided Die. I'm Jordan. And I'm Cody. Welcome back, Cody. It has been a, a t- almost entire month since I've seen you, and I miss you, my dude. I know. I feel like I don't have that much to talk about from Which our is absence. weird, because usually when we're absent, we have like 20 things. And well, I don't really have that much to talk about either. I mean, I do, yeah. but like one of the things you definitely don't care about, so I'm not even going to mention that. <laughs> so so what have you been well actually how have you been how was the holiday for you uh, holidays were good for me um you know just kind of sat at home and was lazy but so my my son is pretty young but he's now old enough that opening gifts makes sense Aww. so this was an exciting christmas because he actually wanted to do christmas things which was really fun also, doing, like, cookie decorating or, like, gingerbread houses with a child that doesn't fully understand, know, or what decorating is is pretty funny. Because it just kind of becomes cookie-eating parties, not cookie-decorating. Yeah, time, I mean, you know? I was going to say, it's like, that's honestly what they are supposed to be anyways. Is like, you make a cookie, you set it aside, you eat a cookie. You <laughs> decorate another cookie, set it aside, you eat a cookie. That's, that's what it is. Or you decorate a cookie, eat a cookie, then decorate another cookie. Like, like that, that's what cookie decorating is. Yep. It's yep. um getting fat off the sugar. <laughs> Feel, feeling truly alive on the Christmas day as the, like, pure, pure excitement of Christmas's sugar pumps through your veins. <laughs> just high octane icing just all through your veins. But anyways, um, how was New Year's? You guys do anything fun or interesting for that, like, just, no, like, lame I'm- duck week before the end of the year? <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, I I played Stardew Valley with Mandy. I think that's what we did. That that, that was New Year's. Cool. <laughs> I yeah no. I just hug out online with friends because that's really all you can do in this world of today. But you know it happens. Um. So yeah, what have you been into, Cody? Okay. So there's a few things here. Like I said, there was nothing, and then I thought about it, and I'm like, well, there's a couple things. Okay, so first thing, I finished, um, what's it called? Uh, Doom Eternal. Yeah. And I, I definitely still like Doom 2016 better. Um, mm-hmm. they, they give you this really cool lightsaber, basically, at one point, and you just don't get to use it very much. And it kind of... It, it's weird because they give it to you right at the end of the game and there is so few opportunities to use this really cool weapon that they give you. And then there's one part uh, where they just like give you infinite ammo for it and you can tell they're like, it felt like a really lazy way to balance a final boss fight was like, mm-hmm. we made this last boss arena near impossible. Here's infinite ammo for your cheat weapon. And it's like, so, you made an impossible level and then gave me an unbeatable weapon and are like, eh, that's balanced. Like, well, not really. It's just you made an impossible level and then had to fix it, you know? So, that kind of bothered me, but I still really enjoyed the game. Um, well, I don't know. So, 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 I don't know. I just... I impossible bosses <laughs> yeah and i mean that's like that's, i don't know i don't know they're they're, they're that is like a huge turnoff where it's like i enjoy a challenging boss like the sekiro final boss was really hard for me but like there was this like incentive t- in my mind to like conquer that boss that was there 
Well, but you know, like, there's some games that just have hard last bosses where it's just like, why would you do this? Now I have no reason to play you. It's also something that, and I'll say this for why I like Dark Souls 1 more than Dark Souls 3. Um, it's because you're a... No, well, on. like, Not gonna fish Gwen doesn't have that much health. Yeah, you know what I mean? Pretty easily if you can do it's it right. not a long boss fight. Once you do the boss fight, you win it. But frick, man, every boss fight in Dark Souls 3 was just a slog to get yeah. through because the way they scale difficulty is just like double the hit points. And it's like, so now this fight's just longer. It's not really harder. It's more of like, you just have to be in the fight, not messing up for longer instead of having to do something more complicated. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll say this is also like a thing that drives me nuts about like high dungeons and like high level dungeons and dragons play has the exact same problem. Which is, I want to make this fight harder, triple the hit points. Like, that's the most boring way to make a fight harder, you know? I take offense to that. Well, I mean, I don't really (laughs) think you did that, though. (laughs) I was joking, but anyways. (laughs) But it is, it's like, it's the easiest way to make a fight more difficult and also the most boring, you know? Um, And that's what what Doom Eternal felt like a little bit to me. Um, So, I beat Doom Eternal, and that has left a vacuum that now needs to be filled and so it was filled with gtfo and i'm back on sea of thieves and loving sea of thieves so much well cody i will say if you ever gave like added me on steam you would have gotten sekiro for christmas but guess who didn't do that you can add me on steam i don't know your name i've told you mine multiple times it's the same name Oh, is it? it you, ne- you never told me that. It's always the same name. You never told me that. <laughs> if um, I knew, I would have added you a long time ago. <laughs> That's why but, I told you mine. Because it's ah, fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We're good. We're cool. But uh, yeah, so. Like, remember two and a half years ago where we're like, hey, you want a family share? And then we never did. <laughs> I you're, just forget. You're, you remember that two and a half years ago when that happened, buddy? Jordan, like, I want to talk to you about GTFO. It's a very good game. Oh, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think I've it's kind of like. Cover. Yeah, it's like a zombie survival game where, like, you drop into a level and you have to, like, do some objective in this level and, uh, But it's one of those things, like, if you mess up, you die so fast. Uh Like, you do not have enough ammo. There are too many zombies with too much health that move too fast. Um, So So it's like like less annoying Killing Floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's similar to Killing Floor or, like, Orcs Must Die, but a lot harder. Um, So, like, melee is really important. You just kind of have to, like lean on your hammer a lot more than your guns yeah yeah i'm looking at but, the hammer. you know generally it's like four people at once you know you're like with a team of three other people and um it is totally like you'll be sneaking through a room like bapping guys in the head and then someone on the other side of the room misses a hammer swing the whole room wakes up and you die immediately <laughs> <laughs> but that's fun that's it, fun it definitely has some of those funny moments where it's like um like a room trips and we're all like getting murdered and then there's always one person that's just like i'm out and just runs away and closes a door and drops a turret down and just sits there while his friends are getting murdered in the other room and it's like well you guys messed up i'm behind a door now 
um but it's fun though it's it's a good teamwork game you really have to it's a lot of communication and making a plan so that's a it's a solid game if you feel like that type of thing yeah i mean to be honest i'm kind of more than burnt out on zombies that is fair that's fair. yeah like like i even just like thinking about playing a game with zombies and it kind of kills it for me right now yeah it's very uh it, it, it hit a peak like 2007 <laughs> yeah i was gonna say 10 years ago you well, actually, know? i think i think the peak was 2011 i'll say yeah it was a while ago like it, it right died around the time zombie, zombie land, land yep, came yep, out that's exactly yeah. what i was just saying like it died like right after zombie land because i think zombie land was like the peak and then it just slowly started petering out yeah which i mean if you ever want to read a good zombie book world war z is actually excellent but yeah but the movie is horrible the and movie's i know it's garbage I, but i know the book is different because my coworker tells me about it every chance he can Every time we mention zombies, World War Z comes up. I'm like, you've already told me about everything that happens in this book. I'm not going to read it. <laughs> yeah, but it's good, though. Yeah, yeah, I'll get um, to it. And then, what was the last thing? Oh, yeah, okay. So, the movie I want to talk about, right, is, uh... Oh, well, actually, so, two movies. One, Soul was really good. I've and, heard. And then, so... I don't want to get too much into that. Yeah, other we'll than talk about that to... on a different episode. Yeah, it's just, it's excellent. You should watch it. It's a very good movie. Well, what about the thing that I want you to talk about? <laughs> yeah, and then there's Wonder Woman 1984. I want to see it, but like the more I hear about it, the less. Like, I think I might be burnt out on superhero movies for now. Like, it used to be a fun thing. I would go and watch it with uh, a certain person, and now I can't really do that anymore. So it's kind of the idea of it's kind of burnt down on me. Well, and like, okay, so I, I don't exactly, I'm not, hmm, I'm less burnt out on superhero movies than I was by the time, like, Endgame, Endgame was yeah. done. And I was just like, Lord, I'm done with Kill all of these movies. Me. But, um, what's, what's fascinating to me right now is like, looking at what media exists and what media is worth consuming and is doing something creative and interesting boy is the live action blockbuster movie going to die like 100%. i just well and it's like not only is it no longer feasible to show movies in theaters like whenever we're not all stuck at home as much as we are now again theaters are going to be hurting and the the issue is i just don't know if there's ever going to be a demand for a movie like Wonder Woman 1984 again. Not to say that there can never be superhero movies, but these giant movies that cost, like, billions or whatever, so much money Hun to Hundreds make. of millions, yeah, hundreds of millions. An insane amount of money to make a movie that was incoherent. Was like, it really that yeah, bad? Well, and that's, like, so all things being fair, I was kind of doing something else and I had it on, um, but it's a superhero movie and it wasn't As a very you good do, one. Like, I mean, but superhero movies have basically blended together by yeah. now where I could tell you like a decent amount of what happens without having seen the movie. And I was like halfway through the movie and I'm like, I don't know what's happening anymore. Like I am fully confused as to what is going on and why I care about anything in this movie. It was just a mess. And considering the amount of money it cost to make something that was just to me like totally creatively bankrupt it's like 
not that in not that um not inside out but kind of similar not that soul. soul was a cheap movie but i'm like man you look at like television shows or like netflix shows that are coming out now that are excellent or um you know like the mandalorian i think is still really good and in a world where it's difficult for people to congregate the mandalorian has a cast of five people yeah. freaking you have to have 500 people standing next to each other to make wonder woman takes yeah. like 10 people to make the mandalorian you know well, and, and i guess, guess the thing is like i i still i'm not completely saying i'm out of superhero movies because it is still exciting to me to watch these types of movie but like it's becoming everything needs to be at an adaptation of a superhero thing that is going to be this one shot where we have this character who is a superhero who stumbles upon some greater like issue has a fight with the villain kind of doesn't win it and then fights the villain who's basically like has similar powers to them and then they end up saving the world but sacrificing a small thing at the same time that is every single freaking superhero movie well and it's like it isn't just that it's boilerplate like i was expecting it to be boilerplate which i'll say this the original wonder woman like original the one from a few years ago I actually loved that movie. I'm like a huge fan. I was like, freak, Wonder Woman's great. thought the movie was great um, for a bunch of reasons. And all of the reasons that made me like Wonder Woman made me hate Wonder Woman 1984. Mm-hmm. And it's it annoys me because it's it rem- it reminded me so much of the new Ghostbusters movie where it was like, I want to I want to like phrase this delicately. Right. I have no issue with like intentionally like gender swapping a movie like ghostbusters right like i I, i'd have no issue with that i think that movie could have been really good it wasn't it was terrible and one of the most frustrating things is like in the original ghostbusters they have like a secretary that's like the one female character in the cast well there's two sigourney weaver and her right it's not a lot of women in that movie, but their secretary was actually a really fun character and she wasn't stupid. She was like no nonsense and putting up with the fact that she was taking emergency calls from people that had ghosts, you know? Yeah. And so she was like this no nonsense uh, woman that was like helping them run their business. And she was actually a really fun character that I liked. Yeah. And then um, in the new Ghostbusters, they're like, well, what if we just make the man an idiot? Yeah, that's and exactly I'm like, what they did okay, that's lazy. Like, you could have made the man an interesting character who was the secretary. That's fine. The issue isn't that he's the secretary, right? It's that you made a boring character. And boy, like, what I really liked about Wonder Woman is the idea of pairing Wonder Woman with, like, a spy who was extremely competent and not, like, lame, but just kind of, like, war-weary. Like, um, her... Yeah, like It wasn't even really boyfriend. Like, the love interest in Wonder Woman wasn't stupid he was like her equal and just tired of being at war and it was like an interesting foil for wonder woman who was very idealistic and not like getting like why would this war go on forever why would people act like this and he had just been in it for so long that it was like this is just the way it is you know and then they bring him back in wonder woman 1984 and they just have him like eating pop tarts and trying on stupid clothes and i'm like he didn't need to be an idiot. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I I hate when they like neuter a character like that. Where they're just like, yeah, we're gonna take away everything that made this character interesting. 
like it's not that I wanted him to be like the actual it, it had nothing to do with me not liking it because Wonder Woman was at the forefront it's because like why would she why would she be romantically interested in a moron she's Wonder Woman like he's yeah, like she, wearing a like, pirate a, shirt and a one fanny of the pack most beautiful and, women in the world who's extremely capable is gonna be like falling for an idiot yes <laughs> yeah why why him if he can't figure out how to dress himself and is just like sitting there eating pop tarts like no mm, mm, I like pop tarts like. Yeah, no, oh, I, 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 I hate when they, they neuter a character sucks. like this. But, Cody, it's almost time to start the show. You gave me no time to talk about what I wanted to talk about. So, Jordan, thanks, buddy. No, it's fine. Look, if we have to, we'll make it a bonus episode. We're Tell not going to make it a bonus episode. So, first, um, so I've been really into the band Against Me recently. So, over the break, I um, read the biography of um, Laura Jane Grace. It was actually really good. It reads like a freaking, like, novel it's it's just i don't know it was just interesting to see like the struggles with depression struggles with um um tra trans dysphoria or whatever it's called it i always forget how to pronounce it. but yeah this is just pretty much the struggles and like how like music and everything got them through and how like despite everything like crumbling in front of them they still pushed on were able to get to a point in life where they're happy with them so that was a fun book to read and then listening to a lot of against me because against me is really freaking good and what like they're they're right now in my book right up there with pup in my mind and i'm really happy about it Ooh, i don't actually know that i don't know I, it's like like what i've been listening to is a lot of punk and at the top of the punk list for me like just bands that connect with me really hard are pup and against me and i mean i i love against me like no arguments for me no yeah i just rhymed but yeah no, no arguments i love against me yeah dude i, I love them but yeah they're 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 up, they're up there on the list and then the other thing i did not going to talk about it too much we'll probably talk about it on a bonus if you ever watch it but i watched the christopher nolan movie um tenant which the only thing i will say about tenant is that it truly felt like they picked the action scenes first they went through all of this freaking like cool action stuff first and then they're like oh yeah we need to weave a plot through it and <laughs> the plot is fine but it just it just feels incoherent at times and it feels like and some people say, oh you just didn't understand it it's like yeah maybe but it's like they didn't really do a good job explaining why these things were really happening yeah like, like, i like, could like, see that i didn't really get why they were going to these places and why these specific things were happening they never really like gave too much of a thought with it they did like their exposition on the concept like pretty much up top and then just let it fly it didn't really didn't give me a reason to care throughout and then it's just like oh yeah like the the female lead wasn't really a love interest but at the same time the main character like risked a lot and almost ruined like the whole plan of like saving the world for this female interest without like they're truly ever feeling like a true connection between them and it's well, just yeah and that's that's like possible like <laughs> I understand that a lot of times I feel like romance is kind of used as a shorthand for like having motivation or investment in the world. But it wasn't even like romance or really they even connected that close. It just felt like right. she is there. She's a female lead. She's having those problems and like he sympathizes, but it never felt like, oh, yeah, there's a reason for him truly to be as invested as he was, especially being like this like secret Asia who's had in the past had to have made sacrifices before and it's yeah. like if you're willing to risk yourself and like your team why aren't you willing to risk this woman who you really don't have that much of a connection to but it, i don't know it's just because it like the, i don't know it just felt like 
hey, if like even if it was like a male character in that same role, it just felt like there was no true connection between them. And maybe I just need to like watch it a little bit closer next time, but it just didn't feel like there was a connection. I just really think that like live action movies are really struggling to keep up. Um, like, I did like of movies recently. I did watch the movie um, The Witch Part One Subversion, which is this Korean like like supernatural almost almost like superhero ish movie, and it was freaking fantastic. Invested yeah. from start to finish, but yeah, it just it just didn't have the same feel of. Well, I mean, sorry, Tenet just didn't really have like the, like Inception. There was like a lot of reason why that character. Like, there was a lot of reason why the character did a lot of things in it, and it just didn't feel like the same reason in Tenet. I was gonna say, like, Inception, you could almost make that same argument that it was kind of an excuse for its effects. Like, but there the were some effects that they were very proud and, of. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But the character had drive, and, like, the character's actions, even, like, oh, he's gonna go into limbo at the very end. Like, even that choice made sense. All of it made sense. It yeah, didn't you, really feel the same way with Tenet. You, you, there was a emotional core to the story, even if it was a little bit ham-fisted. Because, um, I, I mean, I really liked Inception, especially when I was, whatever, 18 when it came out. Yeah, 18. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could, I could understand that if Nolan got a little bit lazier with his story, what you'd end up with is just a bunch of special effects strung together. With I will say some story. really cool scenes. It's just they didn't seem to connect it. Anywho, Cody, it is time to start the actual show. So, Cody, not going to ask you what last week was, but Cody, what, I'm kidding. So, what is this week, buddy? This is a world based on seasons. Off a season, but okay. Was it a season? Yes, it is a world based off a season. You know, I kind of did it right then. This okay. is funny. I, I, I did oh, the wrong Oh, by doing prompt. your usual of not caring about the prop, you actually followed the prop. Thank you, everybody, Cody. We well, made it. We made it. No, kind of. I'll, I'll explain. It'll, it'll make sense once we get to it. But yeah. No, that's actually kind of funny. So, I mean, right up top, I'll tell you guys what I kind of based mine off. I I mean, it's not yellow card because it is a season, but I didn't just say, like, summer or winter. I, I like, did more of a, like, specific thing that happens in within a season. So, um, Cody, you want to go ahead and roll for initiative? Yeah, I'm just really disappointed. Okay, what's happening, what I'm doing is I dropped all my dice, so that's why you keep seeing me, like, duck off camera, because I'm trying to pick up all my dice. Other people can't see you, man. Yeah, but you, you, I thought you might wonder why I keep, like, dodging to the side. It's like, what is happening to him? It's like, yeah, I'm just... Oh, yeah, I mean, oh, I yikes, I might be going second. What do you roll? Oh, really? What'd you roll? What? I rolled a nine. I rolled a two. Hey! I got rocks. second. <laughs> I get to. That's exciting. I, that means I get to pick the world this time. Or yeah. For the world this. Yeah. Time. I remember when you said you were going to fill in some of these worlds and never did. So there's a couple of um, empty slots that. Don't that's all right. Those. If I roll one of those, I'll just make something. No, you won't. Fly. Anyways, Cody, go ahead and go first. All right. So the way, like I said, this is the reason I didn't like this world is partially just because it's so like straightforward basically exactly our prompt that we usually do which i just didn't love um but so i i did seasons right but the way i imagined that would be that um these seasons change really dramatically and suddenly which means that 
whenever the season changes, all of the all of the animals and plant life that would be associated with said season have to go into hibernation because they can't survive the other seasons. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. basically, it's one planet, but there are um, four separate worlds that exist on this planet. And each one of them goes dormant leading into the next one. So it's like the Animal Crossing level on Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of did it right because yeah. it's basically four separate worlds, each one of them based around a yeah, season. Yeah, I'll say you loosely did it right. It's very loose. I, I accidentally almost did it I right. I stumbled into almost doing it right. Yeah, yeah, without meaning to. Um, so my first season is spring. And this is where mostly mammals are coming out in force. The mild weather, um, which is not too hot and not extremely freezing cold, is really good for them because they're warm-blooded creatures that don't need it to be hot all the time and are covered in fur, so they're able to, like, withstand. As far as the plant life goes, whenever the world rolls back around to spring, it's almost entirely barren, but a lot of seeds have dropped in the ground that as soon as the conditions are right to start growing, do. And what this means is that the plant life that's developed on this planet grows extremely quickly and has to, like, grow, produce fruit, and then die off in one season. Um... So it's necessary that, like, none of the plant life is ever gets, like, taller than maybe four or five feet. Because, like, trees can't grow because they take too long to yeah. grow and produce fruit, so they would never be able to. So it's all, like, small fruiting plants that grow pretty quickly in spring. Um, so a plant that's four feet tall would be considered a very large plant. Most of it's even smaller and scrubbier than that. Um, now, aside from, like, whatever the tons of mammals that come out during this time which are mostly herb herbivorous to eat the uh plant life that's growing very quickly there are two main like intelligent um society well societies maybe a little bit there are two intelligent animals that exist at this time can i ask you the a very quick question so yes each of these sections are going to be um an entire world pretty much Kind of, yeah. Okay, I was just just wondering. Sorry, I'm not. I wasn't. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. So we're gonna about. talk about okay. society. Yeah, because yeah. you were kind of going then, very like fast. It was like, holy crap, you're already at society. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's it's four separate. <laughs> okay. parts. I was yeah. literally like, oh my god, what did I miss? <laughs> and really, it's eight separate societies. Ah! Reasons, you will see. <laughs> so, <laughs> so many. The, the first are the razor beaks. Um, the razor beaks. Um, for a long time have had an alliance with the Grand Bear Council, who we will meet later on. Uh, the Great Alliance means that together, bird and bear rule half of the seasons and are an imposing force. But how did this begin? With love, of course. Hardcrow was in love with the thing that had created the massive buildings that their bird family lived in. Every spring, heart, every spring, Hardcrow would awake to find a place new and wondrous and also familiar. But how did it happen? How was it that over the long sleep their cities grew? And how was it that no one knew how the city got there to begin with? But after every season, new stone and wood structures would appear. Hard Crow was obsessed with them. So one day, when Hard Crow was old enough, they did something. They left a message for whatever thing was building the cities while they slept. A rough drawn picture and a little stone sculpture. 
The next year, a little shrine was built to the stone statue, and a picture of oh. some terrible, horrible creature was left as well. Yikes. This was the first time that Hard Crow saw a bear. <laughs> Bears were quite scary, after all. But years went on, and Hard Crow and the bear built sculptures and structures and were each other's best friends. And eventually, they both died, never having met. But Jeez. having forever united the bear and the bird. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, the one thing I will say, it reminds me of like one of those time travel things. Like they leave a note in one time, then all the years later, the other person yeah. gets the note. It's one of those like time dilation movies. But also, well, I, I like that. And then they died, never having met. It's like, wow, <laughs> we went to a well, place. They, just, they can't exist <laughs> I, at the same yeah, time. I get that. I get so, it. I dig. The idea here is that the bears build these cities and then these birds that just live in these coastal cities because they found them to live in. So why not? And they were uninhabited because the bears are hibernating at this time. Um, the other intelligent-ish species that exists right now are the storm snakes. Um, they're very intelligent, but do not have a formal society. Rather, they prefer to ride the winds and the storms. Raining snakes is literally a problem in this world. The spring snake showers are usually fine. Um, spring snake oh, showers coming from the guy who has made fun of me every single time I've ever done anything snakes. I just want to say, audience, it's taken, what, two and a half years to get to this point. Continue. Yep. Yep. Uh, so the spring snake showers are usually fine, but although the snakes can talk, the, storms, the storm snakes have no respect for the razor beaks. They think of them as aloof and overly a analytical. They're not at open war, but because there is no, but that is just because there is no society for them to fight with. But the snakes will definitely attack razor beaks. Violence is common between these two groups, and neither really respects the other as equals. So well, you, this you is have one a of the good view of snakes, but also this is a Harry Potter fi fan fiction between Ravenclaw and Slytherin. Yeah, so what this is, is that there's snakes that are, like, have you ever seen, like, the flying snakes that can literally yeah. kind of fly a little yeah, bit? Yeah, where they, like, do the, like, weaving serpentine across the sky, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's these, except they get swept up by storms, <laughs> and they're like a water snake, so when it rains, frequently snakes will fall out of the sky and start attacking people. I just imagine, but, like, they don't mean to get swept by a storm, so it's like, oh god, help! I can't stop now or I'm gonna die! But they're, like, intelligent enough to talk. So just every once in a while, you'll be outside, it'll start raining, and then just, like, a giant snake lands that is intelligent enough to open doors, talk, and will try to kill you. That is what the razor beaks deal with. <laughs> just, you walk outside, you're just going, whack! <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So that's <laughs> spring. It's terrible. And when spring ends, these two uh, groups have to hibernate. The storm snakes hibernate in the water way, way, way down deep. They swim down far enough that their bodies, like, almost freeze and they go, like, dormant. Whereas the birds hibernate in dens that they, like, scratch out, you know, like, burrow into to try to stay cool through some of the year and then warm through the fall and winter. Ah. So that's spring. Okay, yeah. so I'm guessing that's your part one. That's, yeah, that's spring. That's well, that, That's one. wonderful. I, I enjoy that you finally branched out and did snakes because you literally, I think, what? This is episode 111. So 109 episodes ago, you made fun of me for doing a snake world. And I felt really bad for 109 episodes. But now I feel vindicated. There's a snake <laughs> paragraph and the snakes in my world suck. 
So <laughs> yeah, but I feel vindicated because it's finally come back around. We're doing snakes. You know what? I also did a world. Now I'm just gonna retcon my world. They're all snake people. I'm kidding. <laughs> just all snakes. It's all snakes. snakes. Um, the animals I'm gonna talk about are snakes. The trees I'm gonna talk about are snakes. Um, the islands are snakes. The dirt is snakes. Um, just snakes all the way down. Can, I that's get actually it. going to be. I'm putting that as one of the topics. Snake world. Uh, yeah, I, boy. I wish I had filled it out. Now, yeah, yeah. Now, now you're I gonna regret the, this for the rest of your life. Anyways, so. My world, I decided, so like I said, I decided to do like a very specific within a season. So world based level season, I decided to do like, you know, about the summertime um, in Midland America when you get the tornado belt and all the rough storms and also kind of adapted some of this from monsoon season. So I just, I did this pretty much a season of storms for my world. So um, we were going to see a little bit of that. And I, I, I like what I did. I kind of took a couple of things from some media that I like, and I'll maybe, maybe I'll explain that later, but um, here I'm going. This first part comes from Carla Rosen, amateur storm rider preparing for their first flight. I take a deep breath and tighten my grip around the cold metallic base of my stormboard. I have been waiting for this moment my entire life, so why was I getting nervous now? I was, it was finally beginning. I felt the winds around me start to pick up, changing from a slow, gentle breeze to a rapid spiraling and whipping. My light hair began to flow and twist in the harsh turbulence of the wind. I watched as a black-gray cloud began to descend towards the ground miles in front of me, twisting and tearing into the land below it. Any normal person would have been terrified, but not me. A quick shockwave, a quick shockwave from the oncoming tornado hit me, and I immediately felt the black cloud begin to suck me in. It was time to take flight. This next part comes from Bashan Nigre, Astralis Historian. Wind chafed and scarred are two words to describe the land of Astralis. Some say that millions of years ago, Astralis used to be one massive continent, but now the land is broken up into the mainland surrounded by a multitude of explorable islands. The land is lush and green, and on the outskirts of the mainland are the cliffs of the howling wind. Broken and jagged are the cliffs, and the water crashes harshly, smoothing the rocks to pointed teeth. The land, after years of high winds, has been whipped and smoothed out. There are green and rolling hills, but for the most part, Astralis is flat. Because the strong storms are focused towards the center of the mainland, that area is the flattest, and as you go towards the ocean, the hills begin to roll in. You can see all sorts of uprooted trees or boulders that were moved by the storm and strewn across the land. For those who've explored other lands, they have found deep forests, mountain regions, treacherous caves, and bitter wastelands. The skies above the mainland of Astralis are gray and always swirling with ominous clouds. Outside of the mainland, the clouds dissipate, but the strong w winds that rip through the mainland, circle around the many islands, making travel by boat nearly impossible. You see, Astralis is a land that is plagued by constant strong winds. These winds lead to land-tearing tornadoes, heavy storms, and rains. The strong storms have forced mankind on the ground to create a bastion against the harsh environment. We have become like moles, digging tunnels in the deep, only we light the way with technology. We have created systems in order to bring water below the surface and harvest food. During lulls in the storm, in the storms, we peek our heads above the ground like meerkats in order to travel, gather our equipment, or scout out new lands. 
Some people have explored the other islands and have created settlements amongst the new lands. Unlike the underground settlement, those act more as checkpoints than they do actual sustainable homes. The land used to be the habitat for humanity, lush cities, open farms, and a place to make a home with your family. Now you can see the ruins of those civilizations tossed all across the mainland by the storms. We take materials from these to use below ground and document the wreckage as a way to record a history of the land before. The civilization before was wiped out because there was nowhere to run but underground, and development of the underground city took ages. We were never without power to continue our civilization because the geniuses who came before us set up wind turbines on the outer edges of Australis in order to harness the power, of power that chased us under. Through trial and error, we have found more ways to use the storms. Storm riders are one example of this. These people use simple machines to take flight on the wind, moving ever higher and through the swirling storms. Once airborne, these brave stump people scout the area and travel to the unexplored islands. They use the wind as their guides to explore the beautiful world of Australis. So yeah, I, I yeah, I want to do more of a storm world, and like I like the idea of using like some sort of like surfboard type thing to kind of like glide through the wind. Like a little bit of that I kind of took from Eureka Seven. There was one, I guess, I think it was a um dungeon in breath of the wild where you have to use the winds to kind of like get to yeah, a certain location yeah, yeah, yeah. without touching the ground once and like this idea of using the wind to travel and explore the land is something i really wanted to explore with this world so i, I was really excited about this one yeah no i get it yeah what you did is just go ahead and make a world that's better than mine yeah it, uh so you can flex on me we, no, it's we, fine, we do though. this like every it. other week where we flex on each other like one week you'll knock it out of the water the other week <laughs> i'll do it so yeah, We're really good at making one, each other mad. <laughs> this one was rough for Cody. Well, maybe if you All read right. the prompt right. <laughs> I I don't know. I just yeah. You came up. You had a better. You had a better. Pro, you had a better like jumping off point than I did. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want right. to just do like summer or winter because I've done that before. All right, you ready? You ready? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So summer, the great burning. Ah, what a joy to wake to fire that cold damp worm or that cold damp growing parched and warm under a loving sun the question is always how does the fire start a humorous question for we all know if you pile the kindling high enough it will always burn eventually and when the clutter of spring is erased then the world is again clean then we the scorched lizards roam more lizards world is (laughs) <laughs> the world is again a wonderland of ash and heat and plenty of time to build and restore. The tunnels we call home house the tools we need for agriculture and planting in the rich ashen soil. Also, we have our friends. They're an odd bunch. They wallow in their own mud. It's gross. And they are always filthy, but they grow the most delicious food and sing the most beautiful songs. These marshwallows sometimes come to our caves to visit, and we like them well enough, but cleaning is always needed after they leave. Okay, so, in the summer, the animals that become um, non-dormant are mainly reptiles, so the the summer is extremely hot. So, like, hot enough that most mammals just can't survive. Um, So, for the most part, um, it's... 
lizards that are again largely herbivorous herbivores herbivorous you could say herbivorous just just do it because i was about to say you could just say and then i just completely messed up the word before i even started (laughs) so you got this buddy you got they're herbivores anyways they eat the plants herbivorous um (laughs) the most like uh prolific intelligent species that is around are the um scorched lizards the scorched lizards stand about five feet tall. Um, this does not include their tails, which would be like another five feet. Um, they usually walk on all fours, however, but can stand up on their hind or front legs. Um, their hands and feet are both like equally dexterous and strong. Um, they're mostly like a dark gray, but with like broken shoots of red throughout, which gives them the appearance of being on fire. But in fact, they're a cold-blooded animal that just really likes the heat and have to blend into kind of like a burning environment. Okay. Because every summer, the majority of the land just catches on fire and burns because it gets so dry that, like, that's the thing about, like, oh, everyone asks, how does it start? It's like, it's all dry. It's gonna light on fire eventually. Like, one lightning strike and it's, you know, the continent's on fire. Um, But that's just, like, part of the life cycle. Um, The... Um, primary source of food for them, like I said, it's agriculture, but it's plants that have to not need a ton of water and be very resilient. So, and also like ashen soil. So I was actually like looking up plants that like ashen soil. So basically what this ends up being is what I would call razor lettuce, um, (laughs) which is like a combination of a head of lettuce and thistles, um, so they're a very hardy green plant that is like spiky and yeah. like to our mouths would be like nice cut us up. Yeah. But for um the scorched lizards, they're able to eat them very easily just because that's what they've been adapted to um eat. Now, the other animal are the mud wallows or the marshwallows. Sorry. The marshwallows are um a bald mammal that forever lives in the cooling mud. They have long flipper-like hands and feet and are extremely awkward when not like partially submerged in mud. Um, and their arms are super long so they can reach up and grab fruit off of the spring plants that have remained alive because they just happen to live in marshy areas. So anywhere that water manages to stay, like anywhere where there was a lake, when it mostly dries up, that one little slop of mud that is left is where marshwallows live and there's still some kind of like fruiting plants around. Okay. Um, so the way I imagine these things is like a giant combination of a hippo and a sloth. Um, because they have to be able to reach plants that are really far away, but they also have that kind of like pale, damp skin because they're always submerged. And they're kind of like lethargic because they can't there's not enough food, so they can't, like, burn a ton of calories running all over the place. Um, and these two groups have, like, probably the most amicable relationship of any of the seasons. Um, they find each other's cultures strange, but they get along and um, like have active trade between the two societies because the marshmallows are able to cultivate food that where the lizards are living, they can't. Um, because like some fruiting plants really like a lot of hot weather and moisture. So it's like tomatoes, peppers, 
those kinds of things can be grown in the marshes very easily and they can't be grown in a desert <laughs> um namely a burning desert where the um lizards live so this is like the most um like i said it's the most like cohabitation that happens in any of the seasons is in summer and that's summer okay no, i like it so your summer is just fire just fire and lizards who like fire and other stuff that just likes not fire it's basically a fire festival i'm going to just leave the show immediately goodbye guys this was our last episode of world stop thank you for tuning in i'm sorry that it's ending <laughs> at the beginning of the year but this is another bad thing that's going to happen in 2021 before things get better <laughs> is fire festival it's part two part two of fire festival <laughs> anyways i'm of course kidding obviously my next section is actually going to be a completely different world i'm just cop i am now just gonna copy off of cody <laughs> now now my next section is flora and fauna and i tried i always try flora and fauna i try um this spark comes from carla rosen again i twist my body upwards to force the storm board to take me ever higher if I move too close to the black tornado, I could be torn apart. It's a dangerous game, but one with ex with excellent returns. I force the board higher and higher, climbing the winds to the heavens, and then I see it. The symbol of the storm riders, the cross-crested golden eagle. It, gl it gently glides on the raging winds as if nothing can take away from its freedom. Its aerodynamic body cuts through the winds and turns upward to pierce the gray clouds and enter the heavens. I follow suit, turning my body against the storm to keep climbing and climbing until I, I too, pierce the veil as well and enter the space above the clouds. For once, I can see the sun clearly without any hindrance. And at that moment, I know I am free. Second part comes from Bashan Nigraine. Nigre, I am just not reading well today. <laughs> the historian. As you could imagine, living in a land constantly cursed by storms is especially hard to maintain life. Above ground, there is evidence of forests that existed naturally in the old world. Before we went underground and developed our agricultural system, there were farms that were cultivated. But now, due to the storms, most of the plant life that was cultivated has been uprooted and thrown to the side. Nothing much taller than grass can grow on the ground without being heaved upwards. But luckily, those of the old world took samples of seeds and plants underground with them so we wouldn't lose the vast array of life that exists in Australis. Underground, there is a museum where botanists grow and cultivate a few of each different type of plant that previously existed. It's not really a space, but I'm just going to pause. I don't mean that they took every single species of plant underground, but they do have a large variety. I want to know, like, when they do explore other lands, there's going to be a lot of stuff that they have never seen before but like i realized just reading it right now like it sounds like they did a noah thing and took every single plant with them <laughs> and that's not what happened they just took what they could get a hold of so there is other stuff that's outside of the storm like mainland that exists on these like islands there is stuff that like isn't grown underground anyways yeah i get you this is for those who want to come and see the beauty that came before the underground we use electric lights and a reinforced glass dome to provide light for the plant life, but there are still a few plants that simply can't grow underground. There are two large farms underground, one for low-light plants and another for high-light plants. Our, okay, The plants in the highlight area are again under a glass dome, and we use our electric harvesters to help bring in the food. Because of the light technology, we can, 
We can grow food all year around. We also use air pipes that stick slightly out of the ground above to bring fresh oxygen for the food underneath. Those pipes can be used to vent any gases produced by the plants or animals we keep with us. If we couldn't live above the ground, what makes you think that land mammals could as well? Unlike the plants, bringing animals underground with us was much harder. Again, Noah wouldn't really work in this world. We were only able to bring a few species underground. There are a few canine and feline pet species, and the other land animals, other land mammals we use for food or to help in the farming. Red meat and grain is what the underground is sustained on. As the storms raged on above, we found moments of peace between the howling winds. Explorers would go above the ground to survey the world around them, hoping to find some way to return to the surface despite the storms. They saw birds take to the skies and conquer the wind. Some would get swept away after a while, but there was one bird whose majesty and power rose above the harsh winds. The cross-crested golden eagle, a bird that is said to have evolved to be the apex of flight after many years of braving the storm. It has a wingspan of 25 feet and the crest of a black cross on its breast amongst, the, amongst its golden brown feathers. This eagle cuts through the wind and glides through the chaos at ease. From watching such majestic flyers, the explorers of, under, of the Astralis underground decided they would observe this bird and take flight just as it had. The cross-crested golden eagle became the patron of the soon-to-be storm riders. Because of this eagle, man was able to take to the skies. What's up? Why are you shaking your head at me? Your world's so much cooler than mine. Yeah, dude, because I had two weeks to sit here staring at, actually three weeks to sit here staring at a ceiling like, what do I do for this? I was like, oh, no, I don't want to just do like summer world where like everything's scorched and deserty hot. I want to do like something cool with this. And like, what else happens during the summer? Lots of storms. Hey, you know what? It's like, I'm happy for you. I'm just also not happy, you know? It's fine, Cody. Love yourself. <laughs> Are you still going? Oh, I yeah, I was finished with my part. <laughs> um. Okay, so this is the part where I have to admit. Um, oh, no. If I have a weakest section, it's fall. Sorry. I like fall. I just kind of ran out of things to talk about. Oh, my God, um, Oh, my God. The growth in fall is as majestic as it is hardy. And then out of this bursting orangish growth, there comes an even more majestic Orangish growth? You mean Donald Trump? Haha, screw you, you fat piece of crap. Donald Trump, not you. You're not the fat piece of crap. Sorry, go on. Anyways, um, food is scarce during this time, so two competing herds are always at odds. The elder antelope have been recording their histories and telling their stories for far longer than any of the other massive furry an than any of the other furry animals that exist at this time. They have nimble hooves and quick minds, and they disappear almost immediately among the fast-growing yellowish plants. Then there are the ranging apes. These hunters are violent and persistent and search for plant life and game to eat alike. It is uncommon that they would eat an antelope, as these two herds can speak to one another, but they are not friends and fights are common. However, both sides are aware that large wars between the herds would mean death and vulnerability to other um, autumnal hunters. The ranging apes have mastered archery and live in portable shelters to fight off the cold night, to fight, to keep the cold nights at bay. Okay, so, my idea here is that, um... 
it's basically like two progressions of like still very intelligent animals, right? So this is like the ranging apes are basically like not exactly humans, but they they have like stone age level technology, yeah. right? Yeah. Um so they're, you know, sharpened sticks, rocks on sticks, arrows, that that's all like within their ability. Okay. Um and because fall, the plant life is so much more scarce, both of these groups are migratory in a way that the others are not. So all of the other groups are either living in a time where food is so plentiful, they don't need to cultivate food. Or in the case of the summer, they just cultivate their own food. Um, in fall, there isn't enough time to grow your own food. So they have to keep... they basically eat the food as it grows and have to keep moving once they've eaten all the food in an area. Um, so the elder antelope are basically giant deer. Um, and they're very smart and are able to stay alive because they are able to communicate and have like passed down knowledge of how best to be migratory herds of eating things, you know? Um, whereas the ranging apes developed more technology, but not necessarily a deeper society. Um, and they're both aware of each other, but since in the fall, there's less plant life, there would be more like meat eating hunters. So like large cats and wolves would also be a problem for both of these groups. So if they're constantly infighting over who gets to eat the plants, they're just going to get killed by wolves very quickly. Um, so what that means for them is that they have to kind of work together, just not near each other because they'll eat each other's food sources up. Um, the elder antelope are massive. They're really, really, really big, which allows them to fight off predators and they have the most complicated oral histories and also the most complex vocal cords. Um, so my idea here is that like the way the elder antelope survive so well is their ability to verbally communicate very quickly and specifically to avoid danger. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they have like a very rich oral tradition because that's how they store their information. Um, they're extremely fast. They just can't run for very long and they kind of have like woolly coats. They're almost like sheep like in that way, which provides both like actual armor against getting bit by stuff because you'll just get a mouthful of hair and then also to keep them warm whereas the ranging apes leaned far more on technology um they're like smaller than humans like so they're kind of shorter um they don't have a lot of hair in favor of actually having shelters and their thing much like early humans yeah. is the ability to run long distances oh my gosh um so this is well, just no, that's actually like section. Yeah, well, but it's actually something I find really fascinating because I didn't realize that what humans like because I've wondered that before. I'm like, humans suck. Like but, compared to like a tiger, what's a human good for? Like in a like prehistoric sense, you know? And then I'm like, oh, so what it is is if you poke a mammoth and you're a human, you can just keep chasing that mammoth until the mammoth just dies from running away from you. <laughs> and humans can actually run that long. Which I didn't know that like we're like the longest running animals. Oh. If not the fastest animals. I thought cheetah was the fastest so like, animal. Well, a cheetah's faster than a human, but a cheetah can only run 60 miles an hour for like 30 seconds. Oh. A human can run for 30 miles. And like way back when, that would have been commonplace. Okay. Humans would have been able to run like that. All, but we could run further than like a dog or a deer okay. or anything. So It's so, just so interesting, it's, right? So it's not necessarily we were like super fast. It's just that we had extreme 
stamina at, we had stamina at yeah. higher speeds okay we're, we were like the only cross-country runners that existed okay. which is fascinating you know i just i didn't know that until someone explained that to me that like old hunting was you would like poke a mammoth in the butt and then be like we're gonna chase it <laughs> just keep poking it eventually it'll collapse before we do anyways um both of these creatures hibernate in dens once it gets cold enough that they can no longer uh survive out in the open and that is fall that is fall no so wait you did winter no i haven't oh i thought winter oh it was spring no it was spring sorry it was spring spring summer fall yeah yeah, because spring the hibernate okay sorry i took winter as being the hibernation period sorry about that they all hibernate through different seasons. Oh, so there's stuff okay. I see away. what you're okay. I see what you're saying that they hibernate. Okay, okay, okay. I got it. I'm sorry about that. Oops. They all hibernate for three out of the four seasons. Wait. So is this okay? So here, as I took it before, that this was four sections of one world. Is this the same section at four different periods of time? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, that that's what I was not understanding. I'm wow. Well, that's why the the birds live in the in the structures built by the bears, but the bears just don't come out when the birds are awake. Yeah, okay, it, it it makes and that's it makes a lot more sense. Okay, sorry, I didn't make that clear. Yeah, they're all hibernating three out of the yeah, four so, seasons. Yeah, so so it is one but world, every season, one big world where they yeah. all live strewn across it, and just different things happen at different times. They wake up at different okay. times. Yeah. So so like in Sorry my, my in my mind when that. you first said it I thought of it more as like four different continents where these things happen all at the same yeah. time but I guess realistically that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean probably realistically the Real- world doesn't make sense. Realistically what what I just said makes no sense so sorry to ruin that for everybody. Um anyways, society history coming from Carla Rosa again. I am free. I use a combination of my stormboard and my wingsuit to continue to catch the updraft and stay above the clouds. I won't drop below until I know I am clear of the tornado. Using these stormboards to brave the winds and fly is the only way off the mainland of Australis. This is the only way to truly be free of all the storms of the oppressing underground life. Some people are fine with being trapped underground. But I know many people who are just like me, people that just want to escape, even if it means taking the risk of being torn apart by a tornado. Some say that when the storms first started, many people tried to sail away from the mainland on boats, but the ripping waves impaled the boats on the jagged rocks that surround the mainland. The only way to be free is to fly. The person that freed us was Dylan Isa. They saw the Golden Eagles flight and thought of a way out. They were the pioneer of the stormboards. I drop down beneath the clouds and see that I am completely free. What lays in front of me is a beautiful tropical island that is home to a tree treetop checkpoint filled with other explorers just like me. This will be the first stop on my grand adventure. Bashan Nigre. People regard Dylan Isa as some sort of celestial hero of the wind, but they were human just like me and you. And just like me and you, Dylan Isa was curious. They weren't too happy with the underground life. No matter how bright the lighting system was or how much like a river the water system flowed, it was never going to match the real thing. At a young age, Dylan and their father traveled topside during a moment of calm. That's when the two of them saw Golden Eagle soar through the oncoming winds of rage. The eagle cut through the wind as if it was nothing and soared ever higher. 
Dylan dreamed of being just like that eagle, able to fly high and one day escape from the oppressive and boring underground life. Dylan got to work, work taking whatever materials they could find to make their own flying device. They started with making metallic wings, but yet could not get the same flight as same lift as the eagle did. Then they started developing a boarded flying device that they could stand on and manipulate the lift with their feet. Iteration after iteration, weeks turned into months, months turned into a year, but then finally, Dylan was able to get their board off the ground. They practiced during any calm period they could find, cracking open the large vault door of the ground the second the wind sensors detected a slow. At first, their peers thought they were crazy. Dylan was bullied. Dylan was bullied until the bullies realized Dylan Isa just might be onto something. Within two years, Dylan achieved a major goal and was flying through the skies with ease, but they still had not reached their goal of being free from the mainland of Astralis. Dylan wanted to see what lay around the twisted rocks of the Astralis, lay beyond the twisted rocks of the Astralis shores. At this point, they were training their peers and teaching others to stay afloat on the harsh winds. But Dylan knew they were missing something. They observed the golden eagles and came up with a brilliant idea. With their board that was now called a storm board, they would pair it with a jacket that had a webbed cloak between the arms, like arms and body, like wings. Dylan and the other storm riders with these wing suits would be able to achieve new heights. One fateful day, Dylan promised their closest friends that they would finally make it off the mainland. Their friends all laughed and told Dylan to chill out. A huge storm was coming. Dylan couldn't wait anymore, so they took off into the storm. The peers tried to stop them, but they disappeared into a raging tornado. This was soul-crushing for all who watched, leading them to almost disbanding the storm riders, and the leaders of the underground planned to ban use of stormboards as an unnecessary danger. That is until one day during a calm, they saw Dylan return in the skies, riding their storm board and holding a palm branch high above their head. Everyone knew that Dylan had finally achieved the dream of escaping from the mainland. This caused others to attempt to ride the storms to find their way out of the oppression of the underground. Some made it with ease. Others were sucked up by the storms never to be seen again. Those who made it off the mainland returned to help others escape while others started to build small checkpoints on the outside islands for those to rest before continuing their own explorations. All of these checkpoints are marked with the symbol of the Golden Eagle, the symbol that Dylan made the official mark of the Storm Riders. There are many islands to explore, so once you are out of, Astralis, of the Astralis mainland, the world is your oyster. Eventually, Dylan disappeared without a trace. Some thought Dylan Isa finally got too cocky and was taken by a storm. Others think... They are still out there riding the winds and traveling to new heights. And that's my third part. I, I'm really liking your story. So I, far. I, I don't really know. I, it. this was one where it's just like, I don't know. Everything kind of fell in place. And I just really like what I made. It was like one of those ones where like when we first rolled the world, I was like, okay, yeah, season. And just thought of like a generic idea, but then it's something that I was able to like truly make something kind of special out of. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think you nailed it. Yeah. Um. All right, winter. All right, in the winter, the land is mostly frozen and snowy, and the only consistent source of food is other animals of some sort. Now, oceans hold their temperature better um, and don't immediately freeze, so 
the um, closer that something is to the water and the more populous the water are, the more likely those things are to survive. So um, the largest and most recognizable as a civiliza- civilization civilization in this world are is the Grand Bear Council. They all live in coastal cities. So the uh, razor beaks that live in their cities while they're asleep um, are tropical birds that live near the coast. Um, but in the wintertime, the bears inhabit those structures um, and they're a largely fishing society. So um, the bears were like naturally adept at swimming in water and hunting for fish. And that stayed even as they started to develop a society. Um, so... The Grand Bear Council is the only civilization that actually builds cities. Most creatures, most other creatures either live in portable shelters or underground, or in the case of the um, marshwallows, they live in the ground. Um, But the bears have always been massive creatures that were incredibly strong. And for a long time, they've learned how to stack and hew stone. Um, And this means that they were able to construct these massive stone palaces that they kind of slowly build onto season after season after season. So rather than having a portable structure um, that resets every season, their buildings are able to withstand the season and be there when they come back. And then they just keep adding to them. So their cities slowly grow more and more and more massive as every season they just keep adding. Um, it's not so much a thing that's needed for shelter as it is that this is the way that they have developed a written language and keep detailed calendars and histories. Um, most of their writing is on stone and they build these cities basically as a way of record keeping partially. And also like culture is building these cities, which is why the uh, razor beak became so obsessed with them because they are these beautiful grand structures that they spend their time working on. Um, the other intelligent, um, species that exists or that is awake at this time are the, uh, groundhogs. Technically, they're actually the most advanced society. They have the, like, furthest technology. Mm -hmm. Um, but you wouldn't know that to look at them. Um, just looking at them, they seem much like the lizards. They live primarily underground. They're carnivorous. Um... And they're about a meter tall, so they're not that threatening. They're basically a giant chicken. Um, You know, like they're a bird, but kind of like a mix between a penguin and a chicken and just kind of bigger. Um, But what they have discovered is how to forge metals. Since they live underground, mining is an important part of their life. And they, uh, one of the technologies that they developed relatively early was like bronze and copper age stuff. And what this means is they frequently attach blades to their wings and hooks to their feet. Um, So, yeah, one of these things would stand no chance against a bear. Yeah. But if there were 10 or 20 of them in a pack, a bear wouldn't stand a chance against a bunch of chickens going crazy on them with knives. Yeah. Oh, they're chickens. Um, I thought they were hawks. Well, but what's a chicken but a hawk that's on the ground? These are groundhawks. Okay, that's not what a They're, that's not what a chicken is. But sure, I get it. I get it. It's fine. A chicken is a flightless bird. I, I, These are flightless birds. Chickens can fly, first of all. But I get what you're saying, Jordan. I'm sorry. Hang on. Did you 
did you raise chickens growing up? Did you have you, like an active chicken farm? You know chickens youth? can fly, right? Not long distance, but they, they can fly. They can take flight. They cannot. They can take flight. They can't fly long distances, but they can take flight. I can jump, Jordan. Can I fly? Their their jumps are not the same as a human jump. They can take flight. They do not fly through the air. Unlike penguins who can completely not fly, they can actually fly. They are one step removed from an ostrich. Just That's all I'm saying. Go on. We don't need to have a chicken fight right here. I think chickens are considered. But a also, you bird. did make chicken fights because you gave them knives on their wings. Yeah, you did I mean, just try to make a chicken fight. I must say, bud. Well, but they don't really fight each other. I, it's yeah, just I, if a yeah, bear steps well, in on their I territory. I think that's a little bit worse. Anyways, go on. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're hunters, you know, like they're they're carnivorous animals. So whatever other things besides bears are out there, they will hunt and kill and eat. Um, so. Since they live underground, they don't actually exactly hibernate. And this, again, goes to them being one of the far more technologically advanced societies. They store food and then live underground for the seasons that are not winter. Um, but they're still, like, active and awake, unlike the other animals that are hibernating. Um, which is another reason that their technology is advanced as far as it is, is that they are basically advancing four times as fast as anyone else. Um the bears, on the other hand, used to hibernate in tombs, but after building these cities, started hibernating in familial tombs. So they, like, build stone dens and, like, seal themselves in with rocks, and that's where they sleep for the uh, other seasons. Now, this would be the start of a story in this world, so let me give you this. The fourth mood of Jolin is a strange place although it is habitable but only just due to a complex orbital relation every season is extreme and sudden the moon is small so it does not carry enough thermal mass and therefore its temperatures change rapidly i don't care if that makes sense scientifically diana's not here it's fine (laughs) this means that four distinct life cycles exist in series on the surface of the planet That is until Jolin, the planet, is struck by a massive meteorite, shifting the orbits of all of its moons and establishing the fourth moon's orbit to something far more consistent, causing the seasonal changes to abruptly halt and waking all of the creatures at once. Now for the first time, the four four groups of aliens meet. So this is where my story in this world would start if you were going to play an RPG yeah. in it where you'd have to like pick a race, like a species to play race, as. Do a campaign these- for like a month and then stop, wait like three years and come back. And just That's the simulated thing. Well, no, because when the when the planet that this moon is orbiting is struck by a meteor, the seasonal changes stop ah. and all of the animals wake up. And so like most of them are not comfortable in the current season that it stopped at. And they're all now having to try to find food. That would be like the... And they're all now having to relate with each other. So for the first time, all of these creatures are meeting each other because they all wake I'm, up I'm going to go time. out on a limb and say something. This sounds like a world where God hated it. <laughs> I feel like I rubbed off on you. Like, not in the fun, sexy way. This is a godless world, <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> Welcome, Cody. We've officially switched roles. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, are you good? Uh, it's yeah, me I'm done. done. Okay, so this just comes from Society Current. 
And it's Carla Rosen. I've just used the same freaking characters the whole time. I don't know why I keep doing like Carla Rosen. Just gonna shut up and read. Dylan Issa and their following of storm riders changed the world. Without the first journey off the mainland, I would be stuck underground shoveling poo into crops for fertilization. The tropical checkpoint may have been my first, but it definitely wasn't my last. The winds are much easier to navigate outside of the ma- mainland, and out here I have traveled to new islands with ease. There are some places I've explored, searching for a new adventure. Other places where I just, where I've just enjoyed swimming in a hot spring or eating exotic fish. But eventually, I started discovering new islands where no checkpoint had been set up. Some say that Isa died in a storm and left this world without a trace of their being. But I believe that they found something truly glorious, worth staying away for so long. One day, I will find whatever treasures Dylan found and become a great explorer just as they were. Um, Bashan Nigre. Society has been split into two cultures. One of nomadic storm riders who take to the wild storms of Australis and ride on the wild winds outside of the mainland. Others are those who continue living in the underground, advancing and defining the world that they had created. The underground continues further down in winding tunnels and open caverns. Their technology is continually advancing closer to making the underground look and feel like the above ground. Underground, there are those who want to take flight, realizing the danger but still longing to hang in the air above the ground. Some on the outside want to return to the underground, thinking they may have gotten way in over their heads. A lot of times, a lot of the times, those who come back train and help cultivate the youths into the new generations of storm riders. It is almost like an alternative class at school. Undergrounders sometimes scoff at this, thinking the storm riders are just washing their Sorry, wasting their time for dangerous stunts. But they are ignored and the new generation takes to the sky. The storm riders leave the mainland and search search the islands on the outskirts. There have been many checkpoints set up so that each of the riders can rest up before heading out. These are small communities with group homes that are maintained by those who have decided to stay in one place. It may not be an adventure, but it is still more free than living underground. As you push further outside of the mainland, you begin to find less checkpoints and more unexplored islands. The goal of the storm riders is to find new adventures, and the goal of the undergrounders is to advance technology. Some storm riders believe that Dylan Isla is still out there. They believe that the original storm rider may have found some great treasure or adventure to keep them busy. Some people say that they've found markings or signs of unexplored islands that mean Dylan had been there. These rumors have never been proven true, but still storm riders seek Dylan's legacy out. Those storm riders travel for the sake of becoming a great adventurer, just like Dylan Issa. And that is my world. Ah, Jordan, I really liked your world this time. I like this time. Mm, How dare you? I'm kidding. Thanks, buddy. Well, no, it's just usually I beat you, and usually you beat me. Okay, buddy. We'll be the judge of that. You know what I mean? Like, do you have that thing where, like, you have, like, that initial, like, lightning strike of, like, oh, I got my idea. I know what I'm going to roll with. Um, And boy, did my, like, spark of an idea suck this time. Yeah. I mean, it it happens. I've been there before. Literally, Cody, last time we did it, which was the God Loves You World, by the way, you did a really cool, like, oh, we're traveling through the between these cluster planets. And then I did, like, a nice kind of dumb world. So, yeah, I understand how it feels to have, like, a slump. 
we get the slums. Yup. So now I, I just really enjoyed writing this. I, I, I like the idea of like, especially leaving it open ending and say, oh, what happened to this character? Like, we don't know if they died in a storm, died of old age. We don't know if they're still out there exploring. Who knows? They could have left a cool treasure. Just, just that idea that there could still be something else out there among all the adventures. So like this, this could be like a D and D world. It could be like just anything. You just fly on a board and explore the lands. You could do anything with this world. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed writing it. Anywho, Cody, time for you to roll. As I, you probably forgotten. Oh my gosh! I totally. I was going to remind you like, before I, I did my part, this. but I'm like, nah, you probably remember it. And then I found out I was wrong. N- no man i like completely forgot i'm excited dude like it's It's been been a while it has been a long time since i have gotten to roll for our for our podcast i like don't even remember how to open the do you want me to send you the link for it oh there you are okay no man i got it it's here i gotta find a dice all right here we go d20 all right, what do we got? A world based off a genre of music. Uh, I'm, I'm, I can't do punk uh, world because I've been too in punk uh, for too long. Jordan, I'm going to do ska world because I hate you. <laughs> I'm going to do ska you, world because I hate you. Oh, my God. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to do ska world because I hate you. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm writing that quote down because that's hilarious. <laughs> I was listening to ska music the other day with Graham, and I'm like, Jordan has never been more wrong about this. It's not good. It's anyway, Cody, Cody, Cody. It's it's not good. And I love how coming back at the beginning of the year, we've done like we've gone over the hour as usual. We're back in full force. I missed you, buddy. And I'm excited to start out a new year. We need to start talking about when we're going to do this audio drama, by the way. Anyways. Yes, we do. After show, obviously. Well, Cody, what are your plugs, you nerd? Oh, uh, check me out at the Wandering Gamer Network. We play RPGs on a podcast or sometimes on Twitch and sometimes on YouTube. Also, if you need a computer built or want advice on building a gaming computer, considering the current world in which every GPU is scalped, uh, check out mythicpcs.com and I'll help you out. Okay, so really quick, I want to kind of help you with that plug is i had a friend who was looking for like to build a computer recently and like you really helped them out and like just you explained everything nice and slow you like help like it was a lot of information at once but like you really helped out and like it's just i i can attest that cody does a good job give him the budget tell him what you want and cody will help you build the pc that you need he really helped out my friend and i i appreciate that i appreciate the heck out of that Anywho, on my side, you can check me out at something I guess zero zero at twitch.tv, where we have started every Wednesday doing an anime stream where we talk about anime and it's pretty much anime fun time stream. And that is called We Belong with um my friend Will, also known as Time Machine Keeper on Twitch. And then I am also on the podcast, the side characters where Leah and I talk about cultural diversity in nerd culture and accompanying that podcast. We do a stream on Saturdays um, called there is no name of the stream. Actually, we just, we just streamed Dragon Age Inquisition because I lost a bet, but yeah, check out the two streams and check out my other podcasts. We have a lot of fun doing all that stuff. Other than that, I think 
no, I think we're good. I think it's been a good episode, Cody. We're starting the year off right, unlike some people in this country. Right. Interesting. Okay. So we'll check you on the flip side. Bye. Bye.